Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. So now we're live on all of our platforms, and I appreciate everybody being here. Howdy to you, and welcome to the presentation. Uh, I'm Bishop James Long, so let me just uh, say a couple things before we get into the meat and potatoes of the uh, presentation. Uh, first of all, uh, if you want to go to my website, well, first, let's all do that. Let's do this. I want you to do this. Folks, go to uh, kgradb.com, okay? Uh, kgradb. Dot com, And I want you to make sure you subscribe. Uh, it, they are, they're the ones that produces all the shows. And so if you uh, if you like the paranormal as much as I do, absolutely go there. Subscribe is very, very cheap. But make sure you put Bishop as your promo code because you're going to get 30 percent off your, your subscription. It's already cheap enough already. But anyway, uh, they do have some great shows. there, fantastic. And I strongly encourage you to go to the website. K.G.R.A.D. as in dog D.B. dot com. Now, if you want to go to my website, it's bishopjameslong.com. Okay, that's bishopjameslong.com. I do have an online store there. Um, I did. I don't think I have them with me here, uh, but I I did get the uh, brand new the Benedictine nec uh, necklaces in, which I love. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I brought them here with me. Um, but they're Benedictine necklace. It's the rope necklace. Those are really really cool. I really like them a lot. So I got them on. You'll see it's on when you go to the store. So. Uh, I got that uh, the new batch in, so you can just click on that. Also, I, I have online courses where I teach demonology, uh, genealogy, angelology, and paranormal studies. Uh, so I teach that as well. And it's 100% online, and you learn at your own pace. And so you can go to and click on the class link as well, and that'll be fine. 
And uh, now for those of you who want to know about the church, because people always ask, so it's very simple. The website is usocc.org. That's it, usocc.org. And uh, that is where you can go and uh, check us out. And now, and finally, uh, night prayer. We have night prayer tonight. Night prayer is very simple. You're all invited. For those of you on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, there you go. It's on there. For the rest of you guys, all you have to do is just go to bishopjameslong.com. That's it, bishopjameslong.com. Scroll down to the bottom, and you're going to see where it says night prayer. And there it goes. And that's, that's all you got to do. And click it, and it takes you right there. Yeah, and keep in mind, that's, um, uh, that is strictly audio. Uh, so everyone's invited. That's at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, Ticker Talkers, let me just let you guys know. Uh, I'm going to be with you guys. Uh, the, the, this show ends around 9 o'clock. Well, actually, around 8.50 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But I'm going to stick around uh, with you guys. Uh, let's see. Shannon Long 30, are you going to go live tonight? Let's see if we're going to go live. We'll see if she's going to go live first. And then, well, hello and welcome. Welcome. I appreciate all you being here. We'll see if Shannon Long 30 is going to go live tonight. Because if not, then I'll just maybe. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll just see how it goes uh, and go from there. Uh, and kind of, that's it, you know. Uh, we, we don't worry about the size of the church. Uh, all of our, our clergy and seminarians all have different ministries. Uh, my ministry is some, you have to be called to be a parish, a parish pastor. I mean, some people are just not called to, to serve as a, as a pastor in, in the parish. They're just, it, 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 it's, it's a lot of administration. It's a lot of administrative work. And although it's very, I love it. I, I truly, I, I do. But at the same time, I cannot with the duties that I have now, teaching seminarians, uh, praying for people, calling people, being a chaplain for the uh, for the hospital, driving to people's homes, I, I don't have time for a as a pastor as a parish. I just don't have time. I, I don't I don't even know where I could fit it in. And, um, and but you really are you have to be called to serve in that type of role. And some people are not. Some people are called to serve in, in the homeless ministry as I do, or in deliverance ministry or whatever it might be. So uh, anyway. Well, hello there, Ireland. I appreciate you guys being uh, being here as well. So we'll see about uh, TikTok if I'm going to stay afterwards. Now, um, here's the deal. Oh, well, congratulations! That's uh, A F O W. Congratulations! It's wonderful that you're ordained. Well, the pay, uh, actually, the pay we get nothing. Uh, we we receive uh, in the United States Catholic Church, we receive no stipend. We receive no stipend, no paycheck, um, nothing. This ministry is 100% free. I mean, literally, when I tell you, it's, I, I receive no paycheck at all, uh, none at all. So uh, it's one of those things I, I just, um, it's a kind of like, it's, you, you do it for the, you do it for the, because you love it, you know, you do it for, you love it. Um, why do we need to forgive? Well, uh, we need to forgive because if you hold on to that anger, if you hold on to that animosity, it eats you like a cancer. It will steal your joy and steal your happiness and steal the inner peace that you have. And when you are filled with rage and filled with angry and filled with uh, even even to the point of the temptation of getting someone back, then you're moving away from God. Forgiveness is not saying that the person who harmed you did something that was acceptable. That's not, that's not why you forgive. When you forgive someone, you're not saying, oh, it's completely forgive, you know, acceptable that you did something bad to me. That's not what you're saying. 
what you're saying is I am no longer going to allow this anger to fester within my soul. And I'm going to release that anger and I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to allow God to take, because I, it's, it's eating me up. And that will steal your happiness. It will steal your joy. And not only will it steal your happiness and joy, but believe you me, I give you my word on this. Demons would love to capitalize on that frustration, that anger, that hatred. And through ordinary demonic activity, through temptation, the demon says, well, it's okay if you curse that person. It's okay. And then before, now that anger is no longer just anger. Now you're cursing. And now what you've done is blasphemy. You see how that works. So you can't, you can't allow yourself to do that. Um, you just simply can't. Uh, everyone is welcome here. Let me make that clear. Every single person is welcome here. We do not uh, tolerate bullying, uh, trolling. We do not tolerate people being hateful or nasty to somebody else because uh, they don't believe in what you believe. Everybody is welcome here, plain and simple. And it's that it's that simple. Uh, I'm not here to cast judgment on anybody because that's not my job. My job is to help as many people as I possibly can. So let me say everybody to TikTok very quickly. Again, TikTok, I'm turning the comments off uh, because, and here's why, uh, and not because I'm being mean or being nasty. I'm, I'll, I'll turn them back on at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, I'll turn them on at 8 p.m. So the comments are now off not because anybody did anything uh, is because of the topic tonight. I already know there's going to be trolls and I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm just not going to tolerate it. I'm, I won't. Uh, I am here every Friday and every Saturday and I answer questions for hours about demons, possession, the paranormal, the supernatural. I, I give a topic and I teach the topic and I have been doing this now for quite some time. I have over 2,000 videos on TikTok. So I, I have really done everything that I can to I, I answer questions, answer emails. But today is, a, is very important because today is inappropriate for us to start talking about um, ghost goblins and all this other stuff, werewolves and vampires. We are entering into a very holy week. And uh, so I think, uh, as I mentioned today on TikTok, I made a video. Today's topic is the supernatural miracles of Christ. I am not here to shove my faith down anyone's throat. But I am going to talk about uh, the miracles of Christ, explain them, and how, in fact, they are supernatural. And not only that, and, and explain why it's important to understand it. So that's going to be the first hour. I, I believe me, I, I've talked about everything and anything you can possibly, any topic you think of in the paranormal, I've talked about it. I've done a lesson on it. And the moderators, anybody who's followed me knows that's true. I've talked about vampires, I've talked about aliens, I've talked about conspiracy theories and cults, I've talked about, you name it, I have taught about it on the first hour. I have, because I've been doing this for so long. But we're entering Holy Week and I think this is important. Okay. Um, yeah, you're right. And, 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 and I turn the TikTok uh, comments off because then the moderators can actually listen. Uh, they don't have to constantly block, 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 block. <laughs> uh, but OK, that's it. And then 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the top of the hour, I will turn the comments back on. Fair enough. On TikTok. It's sad that I have to do it, but I do. 
uh, the, before we get into the miracles of Christ, I want to say something because this is important to understand. I hear this all the time from people saying, well, we really don't know if Jesus ever existed. There's a lot of naysayers out there that say Jesus never really existed. And there's no proof of it, they say. It's only in the Bible. So there's no proof that Jesus existed. Folks, that's not true. It's simply not true. So, and we're going to talk about that first, because I think it's absolutely crucial. When people always ask, well, is there, are there any sources outside of the Bible that shows that Jesus absolutely, without question, existed? Yes. Absolutely. One million percent. And today we're going to talk about just a little bit of that so I can kind of clarify that because people need to know. First of all, you need to understand, it's also important to recognize that in AD 70, the Romans invaded and destroyed Jerusalem and most of Israel, slaughtering the inhabitants. And it was entire cities were literally burned to the ground. So a, a lot of evidence obviously was destroyed. And, and the even eyewitnesses of Christ at that time would have been killed. So, but in saying that, there were, there's documentation that we actually have that shows, yes, there was a man, uh, Yahshua of Nazareth that people actually talk about that were not Christians. Now, the first century Roman Tacitus, this is, I want everybody to listen because I see this all the time, all, all over social media. There's no proof. There's no proof outside the Bible. People who say that are just simply uneducated. And, and that's, that's, not a, that's not an attack on them. That's the truth. They're just uneducated when it comes to history because we do have historical documents. Uh, Tacitus, he was considered one of the more accurate historians uh, of the ancient world. Now, he mentioned, he mentions, um, when he talks about Christians, he talks about the, the, the superstitious Christians uh, from Christus, which is Latin for Christ, who suffered. He, he does talk about in his writings uh, under Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius. Um, Suetonius, uh, he was the chief secretary of the, of the uh, emperor Hadrian, uh, wrote that there was a man named Christus who lived during the first century. So we do have this in the, uh, the annals of 15.44. Uh, uh, also, uh, Flavius Josephus is the most famous Jewish historian writer. He was not, uh, he was not a Christian, obviously. In his anti um, antiquities, he refers to James, the brother of Christ, who was called Christ. Now, there, there is a verse that he actually wrote that is controversial, but this is what it says in the book. He wrote, now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was one who was wrought surprising feats. He was the Christ. He appeared to them alive again the third day as a divine prophet for have foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. Now, one version also reads, uh, and this is important to note, uh, at this time, there was a wise man named Jesus. Uh, his conduct was good and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and the other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and die. But those who became his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that they had appeared, that he had appeared to them three days after the crucifixion and that he was alive again. So, and, and accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah. So we do have writings there uh, from Flavius Josephus. Uh, there was um, uh, Julius Africanus, who quotes the historian uh, Thallus, in a discussion of the darkness that followed the crucifixion of Christ. So he actually writes, Julius Africanus actually writes about that when G Jesus was crucified, there was a complete, a total darkness. 
upon his crucifixion, upon his death. Again, that's important to note. Uh, Pliny the Younger, uh, in the letters, uh, I believe the Younger, uh, oh, um, the letters, I think 1096, uh, 10.96, uh, recorded earlier Christian worship practices, including the fact that Christians worship Christ as a as God, where they were very ethical. And he includes a reference to the a, a love feast or the Lord's Supper. So we actually see in the Pliny the Younger, actually, we mentioned the, the uh, Lord's Supper here. The Babylonian Talmud uh, confirms Jesus' crucifixion without question. There's no, there's, this is indisputable. Uh, crucifixion on the eve of Passover and the accusations against Christ for practicing sorcery and encouraging Jewish apostasy. That was the crime that, that was against them. So the, that's Babylonian Talmud. Uh, Lucian, uh, and Lucian of uh, Samosota was a second century Greek uh, writer who admits that Jesus was worshipped by Christians. He introduced new teachings. He was crucified for them. He said that Jesus' teaching, including the brotherhood of believers, the importance of conversion, the importance of denying other gods. So I could go on, and there is so many besides just this. There are so many documents that we have, we actually have, from non-Christian sources that clearly establish, even atheists, who are educated in the, field, in, the, in, in the history field, historical field, will tell you, yes, Jesus existed. Now, certainly they'll argue whether or not he was he's God or not. Okay, but if people who are educated in history, they will tell you, yep, there's no question based on the historical documentation, we know for a fact that Christ existed. There's these all these social media, well, we really don't know, it's only in the Bible. Well, go to school, learn history first, and then come talk to us. Because those people who are saying this, they're espousing lies. This is lies. So, yes, that's indisputable. Sorry, folks. Um, well, hello, hello, and I appreciate everybody being here. Again, we're talking about uh, the super, supernatural miracles of Christ on the first hour. And I promise you on the second hour at 8 o'clock, we'll talk about your demons. We'll talk about your ghosts and your vampires and your werewolves. And we'll talk about all that and people being impregnated and impregnated by aliens and Believe it or not, I had someone tell me that they thought they had been impregnated by an alien and they wanted me to perform an exorcism on this person. I'm like, Ugh. so we'll talk about it. Again, I, I don't mind doing that. But this is more important than any topic that we'll ever learn. There's no other topic that's more important than this. Do you know there's, um, we have, when you see scripture and even historical writings uh, refer to the crucifixion, Folks, listen to me carefully. The resurrection and the crucifixion was witnessed by many, not just, not just disciples. There were many people who witnessed the resurrection and the resurrected Christ and the crucifixion. So uh, we have uh, Jesus turns water into wine. We know that, the wedding at Cana. Uh, he, heal, he heals an official son at uh, Capernaum in Galilee, drives out a demon an evil spirit in Capernaum. He heals uh, Peter's mother-in-law who was sick with fever. He heals uh, many sick and the oppressed that evening, a miraculous catch of fish, um, cleanses a man with leprosy, heals a centurion paralyzed servant, heals a paralytic who was uh, let down from the roof, heals a man withered hand on the Sabbath, raises a widow's son from the dead in Nain, calms a storm on the sea, casts demons into a herd of pigs, heals a woman in the crowd with an issue of blood, Raises Jairus' daughter back to life, heals two blind men, heals a man who was unable to speak, 
heals an in, um, invalid at Bathsheba, feeds 5,000 plus, plus women and children, walks on water, heals many sick, um, heals a Gentile woman, demon-possessed daughter, heals a deaf and dumb man, feeds 4,000 plus women and children, heals a blind man, heals a, um, a man born blind by spitting by, through spittle, spit, uh, heals a uh, boy with an unclean spirit. Uh, he, it goes on and on. It raises Lazarus from the dead. There are quite a few that we see miracles that have been documented from even biblical sources and non-biblical sources. And we're going to talk about a few because I think it's important. And then we can kind of get into um, what, was the, what, was the, what was the point of it. Obviously, folks, let me just say this. And this is, again, you don't have to be Christian if that's your choice. I'm not going to force Christianity down your throat, but I am going to teach you that there are things that Christ did that you cannot explain away that are in historical documentations from non from sources other than Christian. Understand, the first miracle is that Jesus created all things. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we know without question that Jesus is God. Martin Luther writes, John was asserting that the Word existed before all creatures and that the Word was a co-worker with the Father. He was an equal creator of everything along with the Father. Everything that exists has been made through the Word. The Word is the creator of all creatures. There is no difference between the Word and the Father regarding the divine essence. The Word is a true God because he shares the divine essence with God the Father. The Word was with God in the beginning. He demonstrated this when he created the universe. Martin Luther was right. Absolutely, without question. So let's talk about the water into wine, because a lot of people want to, and I, I know a lot of people are saying, well, Bishop Long, we don't want to hear about this. We want to hear about demons. Well, pity. We're going to hear about this the first hour. And if you don't like it, you can scroll up to another channel and listen to demons and people tell you that everybody has a demon just because you pass gas. I, I'm, I'm serious. There are some people around, they think that everything is a demon. Everything is a demon. Everything. Okay. So what was the first miracle? Jesus performed in his, uh, that we know of, well, the, the wedding in Canaan. Well, thank you very much. Jesus, was, uh, we know look, he was born of the virgin, lived a relatively normal life. And at the age of 30, he was baptized uh, by his cousin, John. And the Bible says in Luke, in many places. But what can we learn about this miracle? And why was this such a supernatural event? In this miracle, Christ chose not to use disciples but instead the servants that were available. The servants were aware that the, that, that the wine had run dry. Look, you have to remember, weddings were a big event. This was not just a one-day event. They were a big, huge event. People, it sometimes took two weeks to get there. So sometimes the, the wedding could last an entire week. To run out of wine would have been a catastrophe. That would have been considered inhospitable. And the individuals who were either responsible or, or managing it or helping, if they did not have the wine, that would have been terrible. Terrible. That would have been, it would have been absolutely horrible. So the, the, the servants didn't go to market or house to look for individual or wine, but instead they didn't do anything. They simply waited. 
for the word to be spoken by Christ. You know, a great part of obedience lies in doing and not doing. Uh, when you do not know what to do, sometimes it's better to do nothing, to pray. And doing nothing will be found sometimes the hardest work of all. But you got to understand, true obedience is not always seen in what we do or not do, but it's the manifest and the perfect, the perfect submission to the will of God. And it's hard. It's hard to do because we want to take care of it. We want to fix it. They Look, here's what they could do. They could fill the pots with water. They could fill them to the brim. Fine. They could carry them to the appointed place. Fine. They could do all these things he told them to do. For he never asked people, he never asked God, never asked us to do the impossible. For that power he reserves for himself. It required one more thing. The command that left the lips of the divine. It required the miracle touch of God himself. Faith is not intellectual, but spiritual. It's primarily of the heart, not of the mind. Look, genuine scriptural faith is not our ability to count it done, but it's the deep conscious divinely imparted to our heart that's already done. We have to understand that people also say to us, well, this was Jesus' wedding. Okay. Folks, if anybody ever tells you that, they're obviously not biblical scholars. Uh, because, and here's why. At a wedding in the in the in the first century uh, Jewish time, historical Jew, you have to understand that the culture, the uh, if you will, I hate to say this, but it's true. The bride is the spotlight of a wedding today. Okay, all eyes are on the on the bride today. But in the first century, it was not like that at all. It was the groom who, in fact, was the spotlight. The groom took all, everything, because obviously the men had rights and women did not. So it was the groom who had the spotlight. It was the groom who was responsible for hospitality. It was the groom to make sure that everybody had plenty of food, plenty of drink. Everybody was having fun. Everybody was enjoying it. That was the groom's responsibility. When people tell you that that was Jesus's wedding, just roll your eyes and say, oh, really? Come up Seriously now? Seriously? No, it was not. Because when Mary went to Jesus and said, hey, look, they ran out of wine. Jesus said, well, what business is that, is that of ours? Well, if he was the groom, he wouldn't have said that at all. Because it would have been completely, completely disrespecting to the, your, your, your friends and family members who've traveled for two weeks to get to you for you to say, oh, well, pity. A groom would have never done that. Never. That would have been devastating. So the idea that this was Jesus' wedding is just unbelievably stupid. It simply is not. The, it's not. And keep in mind, when, when think about the abundance of wine. This was not just a, a simple amount. And not only that, but this, this water was used, the jars that they're talking about, these were huge jugs. These were not small. These were pretty large. And what they would do is they would use that, that water to cleanse their feet. And, and kind of wash off because obviously two weeks of traveling in, in the in the desert, they'd get a bit dusty, they get dirty. So they would use these this water to wash them. Jesus took the dirtiest of water and made the most amazing wine. Why is that important to know? Because it tells us that no matter what you have done in life, no matter how, how sin you've committed, 
no matter how dirty you feel, no matter how disgusting you are, no matter how much you absolutely am convinced that God is not going to love you, that you are fully stained with sin and doing bad things and terrible things, and you're beating yourself up, you're constantly thinking you're the lowest of the low of the low, you're dirty, you're filthy. All you got to do is go to Christ and he will make you pristine. That's the message of the miracle of the wine. You took filthy water and you made it miraculous. The best wine, the best wine. And that was, that was miraculous. And I'll tell you why. It says in scripture that when the servant or the governor, they call it, uh, you brought the wine to it, he would, couldn't believe it. He could not believe it because you always serve the best wine first because everybody's enjoying it. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And then they get drunk and you kind of go, but no, that he, 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 the best wine was last. It is a transition of life that we go through where we make mistakes, where we sin, where we think that we're just less than. And with just a simple word, if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's cleansed. See, that's the power of this miracle. And by the way, this is written in many, not just, this is written in, in every, we, we see this in abundance. This is not just a simple, well, it's not really listed. It's not, yeah, people, it, it, folks, this would have been complete. I, I believe this is probably Mary's cousin. I, I do believe this. This was found in John chapter two, verse one through 11. For those of you asking, uh, I believe that uh, this particular was probably a family member, but it certainly wasn't Jesus' wedding. That doesn't make sense, but it's, it, that's what, that's what this message is about. No matter, furthermore, let's talk about here, here, this is very interesting. The large catch of fish. Don't overlook this. And again, for those of you just tuning in, I'm talking about the miraculous, the miracle, supernatural miracles of Christ. Luke, this is found in Luke chapter five, verse one through 11. And Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. Now, in Luke 5, we see Jesus here at the lake. He, uh, uh, he happened upon some fishermen who are cleaning their, their nets after a long night of fishing. Uh, it yielded nothing. They didn't do it. It was terrible. And this is how they made their living. You have to understand this. And because, Jesus, because of the amount of people trying to hear him teach, decided to, to get in Simon Peter's boat. And move away from the shore to teach the people. And it was then that he told Peter, 
if you see this in Luke chapter five, verse four, launch into the deep and let down your nets to catch. Now, of course, Peter was like, all right, fine. I mean, we've already done it, but okay. And this is what you can't overlook. It yielded a net breaking boat, sinking a load amount of fish. This is the miracle. It was after this that the fishermen who made their life, their livelihood, catching fish, that put money on, that put food on the table, that was their bread and butter. But then Jesus said, now come and follow me. You cannot overlook something that powerful. These were men who were fishermen. And just something happened, something miraculous happened that those very men who made a living catching fish, taking care of their family that way, making sure that the family had the security of, of the finances, of the food, this was their trade. It wasn't, they weren't rabbis. They weren't educated as far as that they couldn't go teach the Torah. I mean, in, in the, the synagogue, they couldn't. This was their, this was the, that's how they made a living. They couldn't go work in a Ford plant. This was it. And yet these men walked away, left their boats and walked away. People are not stupid. People are not, even in the first century, you say, well, they're not going to just walk away from their bread and butter, from everything that means something, their security, their finances, just because they think, well, we caught a couple of fish. Something miraculous happened. Very ha huge happened for those men to walk away. You can't overlook that. Uh, Look, so what is this lesson of the fish? God is with us here. He also, he, I think God also, Jesus had a great sense of humor. I can just imagine the look on the faces of the, you know, of the experienced fishermen, you know, when their nets began to be filled with fish, overflowing. These men knew that they were not following the best fishing plan and the catch of the fish that were, it was unexplainable. My personal opinion is that probably Jesus couldn't stop laughing as he watched these men struggle to haul the largest catch of fish anyone in those ever parts have ever seen or ever heard of. Remember, they were out fishing all night long. But that is how it is with Christ. When he does something, it is quite shocking. I think of the water that turned into, again, the, the wine. By the way, that's over 120 gallons worth. Think about that for a moment. The water turning into wine in the wedding of Cain was 120 gallons worth. Or the, multipl the multiplication of the fish and bread, etc. I think it reminds us that if we put our faith in Christ, he can do more than we can ever imagine. If you really think about that for a moment. For these men to walk away from their very livelihood, they something inexplicable had to have happened. People just don't walk away from the jobs just because. To, th to then follow this man who claims to be the Messiah? That doesn't make sense. Illogically, it doesn't make sense. But it had to, something powerful had to happen on that event for them to walk away.
from their entire livelihood. People just simply don't do that without something powerful happening. What about the healing of the demon-possessed man? Remember uh, in Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 28. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 28. It says here, um, Mark chapter 1, 21 through 22, and then they went to Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who having authority, not as the scribes. And it was, it was in the synagogue that Christ that day healed a man who was possessed by a demon. Jesus, in this miracle, not only displayed his power in word, but also in deed. That's important because if the gospel does not still save us, if it's not the, the, the power of God and salvation that, to everyone that believes, then we just need to close up shop. If this is all just a, a make-believe, hocus-pocus uh, stuff, but it, it's not. We know, because it talks about in historical documentation, that many of the scribes were astonished at Jesus' knowledge of the Torah, even at an early child. These were people who were highly experienced and knowledgeable. But yet he taught it not as, well, this is what it says. He taught it as this is what it means. Big difference between the two. He taught it with authority. Why? Because he is the word. And, and by the way, in this, uh, in this situation, which why there were a historical documentation that says that uh, Jesus allegedly, the term, removed demons from people who are possessed. In this case, Jesus did not speak. He didn't speak. In other cases, he laid hands upon the, the deceased or led them out of the city or touched them, applied clay or spittle. People say, well, why did he use spittle? Um, let's see, what does it say? Uh, uh, are we, yeah, we're, this is Paranormal Friday. Yeah, we're talking about the most important thing, and that's Christ. So um, what, 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 why did he use spittle? Because back in the time of Christ, spittle actually believed it had a medicinal purposes. And But in this case, he does not use any instrumentality. His word is all. So he sees this demon, which was witnessed by many, not just, not just by Christians, other Christians followers. He said, hold your peace and come out of him. That's it. That was it. Didn't touch him. Just the word and the unclean spirit left. That, again, is powerful. What about uh, uh, um, uh, Peter's mother-in-law? In Mark chapter 1, verse 29 through 34. Now, people don't understand this because I, I think you have to really get down and deep into this. Because it's important to understand. Um, in this particular one, Jesus appears to his, his, uh, the, the mother-in-law of Peter, and she was very sick. She was, she, I mean, and when you showed up to a person's home, uh, the females, it was their responsibility to ensure that everybody was happy, everybody was fed, uh, everybody was taken care of. So this was just something that was, was expected. This was culturally expected. So what happened, this wasn't the norm. She was, she was to be up and cooking and helping with the kids. And, you know, that was, that was the responsibility of the mother-in-law or mother. 
and, and her sickness was the was the unwelcome guest. But there was another guest in the home that day, and that was Christ. One touch of his hand was all that she needed. And before you knew it, grandma was up and, and uh, doing all the household chores. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, not only did she, she was laughing. What does that tell us? Because with Christ, his healing is complete, not partial. And that reminds us that when you're struggling or when you're having a hard time or you think that, um, that there's nothing else that you can do, there's no one else you can turn to, I would say absolutely that's incorrect. Let me just say this to you as well. This is my favorite. This is all my all time, I think, my favorite. This one and another one I'll, I'll share. The healing of the leper. The healing of the leper is actually in three. Three of the Gospels. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 through 4. Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 13. One of my all-time favorite, all-time favorites. You need to understand something. Leprosy was very serious. Leprosy had taken away a person's money, their family, their hope. Uh, and even their life. Now, this man in this story, maybe he heard about the miracles of Christ. Who knows? He concluded that Jesus had the power to heal. And the only nagging question was, would he do it? Any fear of rejection gave away to his des des desperation. Some, you see, sometimes desperation comes really close to faith. He bowed down in worship before Christ. And in this way, I know you can. I'm just not really sure you will heal me, though. That's what he said. I know you can do it, but I just don't know if I'm worthy, is what he was saying. Thank you. How many, of, how many times have we gone to... This just happens a lot. Uh, Rousseau. Rousseau was a, a great philosopher. He said, human beings are angelic by nature. It's the institutions that corrupt us. We grow up. Schools tell us you're not smart enough. We go to churches and they tell you, fire, hell, and brimstone. You're such a terrible person. You're such a sinner. God's not going to love you. We put all this crap on us, all these labels on us that people want to us to uh, adapt on our lives. And then we think, we start thinking, well, maybe I am lower than, or maybe because I made this mistake, or maybe because I made that mistake, that I won't be able to, that God's not going to pay attention to me. God's going to, I'm already going to burn in the fiery pits of hell. Sometimes we beat ourselves up so much that we are afraid. And the only choice sometimes in our lives is that we have to fall down before God and say, okay, you know what? I know you can. I just don't know if you will. But I know that you can. And if your will be done, if you can, then because sometimes that is all we got. That's desperation. And in this man's, this poor man, this leper, that was it. Jesus reached out his hand and his skin was, was cleansed. The leprosy was gone. But what does it mean there? What, what does that mean? Now, a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hands and touched them and said, I am willing, be cleansed. That was compassion. That was love. You know, I, I want to share this because I think it's very important for you to understand this. Jesus did not have to touch this man. 
He didn't have to touch this man at all. Jesus could have said, it's done. Be gone, leprosy. And then the leprosy would have left him. That would have, been, would have been it. The leprosy would have been gone. Just by Jesus even uttering the word. By the way, this is historical doc. This is actually documented by in the writings that I talked to you about people who are actually healed by leprosy. From leprosy, I'm sorry. Jesus could have said, be gone. That's not what, that's not what, but what did he do? This man, okay, leprosy was a very contagious disease. And it was deadly. It was all over your body. It was terrible. The sores, the pain. And in the Jewish first century time, they believed, even before that, they believed that when you had leprosy, it was that God's punishment on you because of your sins. Or even your family's sins. So generational curses, generational sins. So they believed that if you had leprosy, it was because you did something wrong and God was punishing you. Now, leprosy, it was, it was so rampant and so contagious that you weren't even allowed in the temple walls. You had to be on the outside of the temple walls. Outside. Outside of the temple walls offered no security. It was very dangerous on the outside of the temple walls. There was a lot of violence. There was, there was a lot of bad stuff that occurred. Wild animals, it was not safe. And if someone and if, if someone came, if you were on a road and you needed money, because that's the only way that you were going to feed yourself, you had to beg, because you couldn't work. There, no one would do business with you because you were you were considered unclean. And Deuteronomy says that no one can do business with someone who is unclean. They couldn't even do business with the person, so he couldn't work. This person, this man, couldn't do anything. The only thing that he could do to to be able to have food is to it's the beg. But when a person walked down the road and he was obviously he was begging for, for, for money or food, he would also have to say unclean, unclean, because if he didn't, the penalty was stoning to death. And that was the law. That was the law of Moses. That was it's in the Torah. So if he didn't scream, because if you approached them and certainly if you touched them, then you would be considered unclean. This this poor leper, this man with leprosy probably had not had human touch in years because they wouldn't touch each other because it was so infectious. He probably, he probably didn't experience even just a hug and who knows long, a handshake, a pat on the back, nothing. It's a different world than what you and I are living in today. Completely isolated. No one there to embrace you. Nobody. Not even your own family could. Nobody could. If you had a wife, you had children, if you had a husband, they had to stay away from you. They couldn't come, they couldn't even come near you. And he heard about this rabbi, and he believed that this rabbi could heal could heal this guy. And he was saying, unclean, unclean. So here comes this rabbi. Here comes Jesus. Now he'd heard of the stories. And he was doing what he was supposed to do. Unclean, unclean. Don't come near me. Don't come near me. Now, Jesus kept walking towards him. And you know this man was like, oh, I'm unclean. Dude, don't come near me anymore. Stop. You're not allowed to be. You're, you're, rich, you're going to be ritualistic, unclean. Or you, go away. You can't. And Jesus still approached. And still approached. 
to the point he was inches within this man. Now, the people who saw this probably would have thought, what is he doing? He's going to get leprosy. Jesus could have easily said, be gone, leprosy, and it would have been done. But Jesus approached this man. He approached this man with leprosy and embraced him. And then he said, you are cleansed. That is powerful. Jesus didn't have to hold this. Jesus didn't have to embrace this man. Not at all. That embrace was probably the first time that man felt embraced the compassion in years. It, decades, maybe. With what word? Jesus could have said, you're cleansed. But he embraced this man. Now, and then, after this man felt the love, the compassion, the empathy, then Jesus cleansed him. See that Jesus was healing. Why? Why? Jesus was healing the man's soul. From all that the, the crap that this poor man put on his shoulders from society, the labels that society placed on this man, Jesus removed the stain of all that hatred first. The soul was cleansed, then the body. See, this is, this is what I mean. When, when you think of, of this type of compassion, that's why I, when I talk to people about Christianity and they get angry with Christianity, they get angry with God because that these people who call themselves pastor and they're preaching fire, hell, and brimstone, and Jesus is such a, a hateful, vengeful God and all this other nonsense. I'm like, you don't know the Jesus that I know. You don't know this Jesus then. And yes, it is. It's a complete healing of interior and exterior. And then he told the man to go to show that he was cleansed because that, because that was the law. If there was some type of, if, if there was a miracle or you were no longer, you had these issues, you have to actually show uh, the high priest, yep, I'm, I'm no longer filthy, I'm no longer unclean. And then they would allow you back into the temple. But you have, but they have to show it first before they were allowed in. The next, the next thing that I want to talk about, and I've said this before, uh, the miracle of the woman. Well, let's talk about this. Was a miracle in of itself, but the but the miracle about the prostitute. I, I don't know if you're familiar with this. But obviously, when, when the prostitute was about to be stoned to death, because the men at the time dragged her out, causing, saying that she committed adultery and all this other stuff. And the men had stones, and I've talked about this, and the men had stones in their hands. And about it to stole, stone the woman because that was the Torah, that was the man's law. And Jesus then showed up. And then he, as I said before in Bible study, and then he bent down. And he was writing in the sand. And then he rose up. And they said, those of you without sin may cast the first stone. And they dropped all their stones. Now, for, for, for that prostitute, that was a miracle. 
because she was to be stoned to death. And stoning to death was a terrible, terrible thing. And I, I've talked about this many, many times before in my Bible study. I've, I've, ta- I've told you before what he did, what he wrote in the sand. Jesus wrote the sins of each man who was holding a stone in their hand. He was writing their sins in the sand. And that is why they threw their stone down. That, that was a miracle for her. We all know about the, um, the storm. Uh, you know, the, uh, the storm in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Matthew chapter 8, 23, verse 27. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. We all know this. And we got to, here's a couple of takeaways for, the, for this. First, we got to realize that, that life is fragile. Each one of us in our lives, one tragedy, we're, sometimes we're, we could be one tragedy away from eternity. All the physical possessions, we, you know, possessions that we work for so hard, they can easily be taken away from us in this fallen world. So one of the great truths that should become real when we are facing possible storms in our own life is that our life is not about our possessions. It's a rather about our eternity. And all that we can ultimately keep forever is our relationship with Christ and our spiritual relationship with our family and friends. You know, here's the deal. When the storms represents life and the waves, and sometimes we want to stay in the place that we feel is comfortable, the boat. We don't want to get out in the storm and deal with it and have faith because we want to have faith in the man-made things of life, the boat. And then when Peter stepped out into the storm and felt the pain of sin, the horrible pain of sin, and he began to have doubt because he started, no, it's safer in the boat. That's when he began to sink. The story is that we all go through difficult, every one of us go through difficulties in life. But if we keep our faith in Christ, then no question in my mind, then we'll be okay. Um, there was the healing of the woman uh, with the issues of blood. And then I'll go at the top of the hour, we'll get into your demon questions and paranormal questions. For those of you who don't know, it's Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 33. And Luke chapter uh, 8, verse 43 through 48. Uh, Bishop, ever read? Uh, we, yeah, I, I do read the chat in here, but right now I'm teaching. So the issue with the blood on this situation is very, very powerful. Uh, one thing that I learned when I was in the seminary that I was never taught is that this... Um, that this woman probably had what's called ovarian cancer. But she was bleeding. And in the Mosaic law, in the Torah, that was she was considered unclean and that she was being punished by God because of her sins. That was the belief. So this woman who had no, it was no, no fault of her own, she had issues and she was considered ritually unclean. No one would touch her. Now, we know that in Scripture, in these two Scriptures, that Jesus passed by, and she said, if I could just touch his cloak. Now, she knew darn well that if, if she touched his cloak, the law called it that she would be stoned to death. That was the responsibility. They were, they were, she was required. She was considered unclean. 
And I've talked about this again in, in my Bible studies as well. But she touched his cloak and he stopped. Now, this was witnessed also by the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, not just uh, the disciples. And he stopped. Now, here's, here's what's, here, this is powerful. She thought that he could just touch his, that she could just touch his cloak and be healed and be done. But instead, he stopped and turned around and said, who touched my cloak? Now, she's thinking I'm dead. I'm dead. That's it. He, he's a rabbi, and he's going to use the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law says she's to be stoned to death. That's what the law said. So in order for him to keep the Torah, the law of Moses, the law of Moses as a rabbi, you're supposed to enforce the law of Moses. And the law of Moses says you're supposed to stone this woman to death. She had the nerve to touch a, a rabbi, a rabbi of all people. But he didn't stone her. He told her she's healed. And that is the powerful, I think, the, the closeness that, that Christ gets to us during these the, the healings. You know, when and, and let's not forget, let us not forget, uh, I would be remiss if I obviously didn't talk about the resurrection. You can say whatever you want to. You can sit here and deny the resurrection of Christ all you want to, and that's fine, if that's what you wish to do. But we know the historical documentations are there from non-Christian writers that clearly state that Christians claim that Jesus rose from the dead. This was seen not just by disciples. Jesus' resurrection was the seen by, seen by witness by many people, not just the disciples. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Furthermore, this is why I believe something miraculous happened on that third day. The same men who were following Christ were terrified. Understandably so. They just saw their, the Messiah that they thought was going to overturn the Roman Empire. That They were always taught from cradle to, from cradle to the grave that the, there would be a Messiah who would overthrow, he would build an army and overthrow the Roman Empire. Now they see the Messiah get flogged, beaten, spat upon, and even crucified and died. And everybody knows they were his followers. So that meant death to them. So now they're hiding. And I can understand the fear. Crucifixion was barbaric. But something happened. Something miraculous happened that nobody can deny no matter what that these very same men who were terrified and hiding in a room because they didn't want to be discovered by the roman guards to be crucified themselves something happened to where those very same people who were huddled in a corner went out into the public and then began teaching about the resurrected christ don't tell me, do not tell me that Jesus 
survive the crucifixion. That is the most idiotic, stupid, uneducated thing that anybody could ever say to me. Truly, truly is. That's like people saying that I'm Santa Claus. It, 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 is, it is preposterous beyond all reasonable thought to think that Jesus would have even, first of all, he was flogged. Half of his skin was hanging off his body, losing more than half of his blood. He had the crown of thorns slammed on his head. And then at the very end, when they said, well, he's dead, he died, he died awful quickly, they pierced his heart. The Romans were very good about this. They knew exactly what the anatomy physiology. They were very efficient in crucifixion. And they pierced his heart. That's why water came out of his side. You can't survive that, folks. There is no surviving that. That's stupid. So anybody who says, well, they were just covering up just because, you know, they were trying to pretend. That, okay, that's the most idiotic thing in the world. Something miraculous happened that those very men then went out and started preaching about that they saw the resurrected Christ. They knew darn well what was going to happen to them. They knew. And yet they still went out knowing that they would be martyred. Again, that is powerful stuff. Uh, and I think we cannot, sometimes we, we start thinking about the, the miracles and what, and the point is every day people say, well, why didn't Jesus perform miracles today? He does. God performs miracle all the time. Every, every day. Well, no, since when you woke up, didn't you? You woke up. Is life itself not a miracle? Is that not enough for you? Or do you need to be entertained? Do you want to see a miracle because you want to be entertained? Or do you want a, a miracle because you need that to believe in God? I don't need a miracle or to see a miracle to believe in God. It's already been established. So there. Um, okay. So that, that is the presentation that I wanted to talk to you about today. And now we're going to go into our, our demons and all this other stuff that everybody wants to talk about because, God forbid, we actually talk about Christ. But uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it and it wasn't uh, too terrible for you. Okay. Uh, now, next week, by the way, next Friday, I'm going to let everybody know. Everybody, you need to know the first hour, I, because this is Holy Week, we're entering into Holy Week. This Sunday is Palm Sunday. So next Friday, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you about the anatomy and physiology of Christ, what he experienced from a scientific perspective during the crucifixion. So that'll be next Friday. We're going to go into detail from some amazing writings and readings that I've read and I've talked to people, I've talked to neuroscientists and, and other doctors and what he experienced uh, during the crucifixion. So we're going to discuss that next Friday, because that's next Friday is Good Friday. And it is irresponsible for me to come on next Friday to talk about vampires and werewolves. Not going to happen. Not on Good Friday. Won't happen. So if you don't, uh, if you don't 
uh, want to be there, that's fine. Then don't. But uh, we are going to have this conversation next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we go into the scientific explanation and to break it down from the nerve issues, the the body, the anatomy, and exactly what was experienced during the because it's very important to understand that. Okay. Um, all right, so let's let's go into some of your questions because I know that a lot of you have the questions, and uh, I do have a lot. By the way, I have a lot of. Oh, let's see, do, 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 uh, topics as well. I'm trying to see about. Okay. Yeah, next Friday is going to be a good one. Uh, hopefully, we'll. Am I a godly man? Is that? Are you asking? Was that asking someone? Oh, okay, I guess that was. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that a lot of people. Are you asking that person? I know a lot of people who've turned away from God because of the actions of man. You can't do that. That's very unfair to God. Why would you do that? For example, that would be. Um, that would be because someone did something, a human being did something bad to me, I'm going to hate you for it. Even though you had nothing to do with it. But I'm going to take my anger and frustration out on you. That's what people do sometimes, you know, when it comes to God. They, I understand just because, and let me just, oh, this is important. I'm going to say this and I don't care if I make somebody mad or not. I am sick and tired. I am sick and tired of people going on social media, calling themselves prophet. And then using the word prophet to be a psychic medium. Uh-uh. If you're going to be a psychic medium, then call yourself a psychic medium. But don't use the word prophet and then and then use and and, and absolutely. I'm going to tell you your future. No, you ain't a prophet. You you're what you're doing is you're, you're printed, print, pretending to be a psychic. That's what you're doing, and you're using God's name to do it. I'm going to prophesy about your future as long as you give me some seed money. No, that's called blood money. That's what that is. That's blood money. That, that is what the Bible actually condemns. So there's a lot of this stuff going on. There's a lot of this stuff going on that people are on all over social media calling themselves prophets. And, and I believe people are prophets. I'm not saying that there's no prophet. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is what you're, what people are, prophecy is about people understand a prophet is a person who tells society and culture that we are breaking the covenant with God. We got to come back. That is a prophet. A prophet is not a person who's going to predict your future. That's a psychic medium. Don't put makeup on a pig and tell me that it's a cow. And that's what's going on a lot, a lot now. And furthermore, I'm going to say one more thing. If anybody, if anybody tells you, I don't care who it is, if any pastor tells you that you have to give them money in order for God to bless you, that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. You need to turn away because I'm telling you what, even, even Satan can quote scripture. That is not biblical. If anybody, if anybody tells you that the more money you give a ministry, the more God's going to bless you, you just say, you know what? You don't know God if God bit you right on the rear end, because that is not scripture at all. God doesn't bless you based on how much money you give a pastor because the pastor is just more worried about getting the new Rolls Royce or the new Mercedes. It has nothing. It's, it is called prosperity gospel. It's blasphemy. Stay away from it. It's fraud. It is fraud. That's all there is to it. It is fraud. 
God doesn't care about money. God doesn't care about if there's a, a Lincoln on it or, or George Washington. Are you, God doesn't give unto Caesar what is Caesar, give unto God what is God. God doesn't care how much money you give to a minister. God doesn't care. Your, your blessings from God is not based in contingent upon financial income or giving to the ministry. Your blessings of God is freely given to you because you're a child of God. So it's already given to you. You don't have to pay for it. You can't pay for it. And anybody tells you you're paying for it is a big fat liar. It's a scum and it's a scam artist. They're a con artist. Stay away from those people. Stay away from them. They do nothing but spread deceit and lies. They do nothing but pocket their books. They do nothing but buy the next best hand thing or best car or best. They need another chandelier or whatever the hell they need for that day. You stay away from them. Prosperity gospel is blasphemy. And I've seen this. It is, it is rampant on social media with these con artists. And that's exactly what they are. They are con artists telling you that God's going to bless you based on how much money you give that, that ministry. Revelation talks about there's going to be a lot of false prophets. There's going to be a lot of antichrist. And we've seen a lot of antichrist with a lowercase a. We're seeing a lot of antichrist running around saying, oh, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. No, you ain't no prophet. You're a prophet of the devil. That's what you are. You're the prophet of the devil. Because the only thing you're worshiping is not God. You're worshiping the money. You're a greedy, dirty, rotten, low-life, egg-sucking dog. Stay away from them. Mm-mm. Yeah, crypto. Yeah, and, and the crypto. Oh, crypt, oh, oh, folks. <clears throat> This crypto crap, this all, I'm telling you, this uh, America is going to go and the, the economy is collapsing. The value of the dollar is going to bankrupt. We're going to bankrupt China and Russia is trying to bankrupt us. Folks, that is a bunch of bullshit I have ever heard in my life. And yes, I said bullshit and I'll say it again. It is a lie. It is a bold face lie. It is a lie, I'm telling you. And I'll tell you why. China owns $1 trillion in American debt. Now, China is not going to make our economy collapse because if our economy collapsed, China's economy collapsed. If our economy collapsed, Saudi Arabia's and a whole host of other countries are going to collapse. China doesn't want our economy to collapse any more than we want our economy to collapse. Let me tell you who's doing this. Let me tell you all these people are putting out this bull crap videos about that. You got to buy crypto. You got to buy crypto. The only people that are doing it are selling crypto. And they're selling crypto to raise their stock up. And you buy high, they sell high, they walk out. And then you're wondering, oh, wait, wait a minute, now the crypto's going down. Well, I wonder why, sunshine, because you bought high. When they the bait, it's just a bait and switch. That's all they're doing. That is all they're doing, folks. Don't fall into, I have a master's, I have a master's of education, a master's of business, a master's of divinity. And, I'm, and a master's of business was from Sullivan University in Louisville, Kentucky. And they're regionally accredited. And I am telling you. I have studied business and I've studied finance. They are liars. They are con artists. They're trying to scare you to make you think that the economy is going to collapse. The value of the dollar is going to collapse so you can buy their cryptocurrency bullshit so that they can sell it, make millions of dollars. And you're left in your hands holding a, 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 a cryptocurrency that then deflates in value when you find out that the value of the dollar is not going to go down. It is a con game. It is a con game. I'm not talking about Republican. I'm not talking about Democrat because you don't know if I'm a Republican or Democrat. You have no idea. And I'm not going to tell you. But I am going to tell you these people spreading this crap is, a, is the lies. 
It's all lies. If you follow the money, all these people who are creating these, these videos about the American dollar is going to collapse, they are selling crypto. If you follow them and you do a little bit of work and you find out they're all the social media, you'll find out they have discords. Well, I learned a little bit about discords today. I did a little bit of research today. And one person on social media is really big about, oh, the value of the dollar is going to collapse. You need to buy this. You need to buy that. They sell crypto. They sell, they're selling crypto. So then they scare people. Everybody takes their money out of the bank. And then when the money, the banks are gone, then the banks have issues. And then they say, see, now the banks has issues. Now the bank, banks have issues. And the crypto goes up because people invest in crypto. And then they sell when the stock is high. And then when people realize that the, the this American system that is not going to collapse, then you lose money on crypto. And if you don't believe me, then invest, in, then invest in crypto. Go ahead and do it. Invest in it. And then when you find out that the person who tried to spread this crap for you is purposely doing that so they can get rich off your fear, then you're going to come back and say, oh, should have, I guess I should have, I wish I would have listened to you. Yep, well, too late. Too late. And if you don't believe me, fine. If you don't believe me, that's okay. That's okay. If you don't believe me, that's cool. Then go buy crypto. Because the only people that you're making rich are the people who own a lot of stock in crypto. That's all you're doing. That's what this is all about. That's what this whole crap is about. It is. Um, and the thing, well, well, now gold and silver is very intelligent. I actually, if you're investing in gold and uh, gold and silver, especially silver, is great. Uh, silver, we're, we're, I, silver is very. Look, again, uh, I have, I do have a master's of business. And finance, so I, I understand a lot about finance. I understand about the markets. I have no issues. It's intelligent, actually, to invest in, in, in uh, gold and silver. No question at all. And silver is going to, I think, explode. But that's just my personal opinion. I have invested in a little bit of silver. I like silver. There, But I but this crypto stuff, oh, uh, the American, American government is going to make everything crypto is what they're going to do. That's what they're saying. That they're going to get rid of the American dollar and they're going to print no more money and everything's going to be crypto. So you might as well go on in and invest. Okay, okay. And I have an ejection seat in a helicopter to sell for you too. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it's just ridiculous. It is really, and you're right. It is old. It, it is old. It's 2017 is what they were talking about that. Okay, so come on. What's your questions? Um, Mothman. It's interesting. Mothman is a very, very interesting thing. I, <clears throat> I don't know. Some people, I, I had experience with the Gates of Hell Cemetery. Some people say that I experienced the Mothman. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But I did see something there. Actually, I and three other people saw something. Uh, something is going on. But uh, I don't. When shadow people, people a lot of people talk about shadow people, and I've done, I even did a lecture on shadow people. I have, if you're a paranormal investigator, you've probably been to cases before where you've investigated where you saw shadow people where you didn't feel threatened. I have been to many locations where I have seen shadow people, and I never felt threatened. I never felt that the, uh, there was that presence of demonic. Never felt that. But then I have also been in cases where it was demonic, and I saw shadow people, and it was very oppressive. Gates of Hell Cemetery was a perfect example where I saw quite a few shadow people. Actually, me and three other people, we were there. We all saw it. And that was really, really heavy. So, yeah. 
Um, well, you're talking about oppression. What's the difference between demonic oppression and possession? Oh, great. So we have a tornado watch here that they just issued. Um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in good old Kentucky. So now we're under a tornado watch. We can't have, we can't just, we can't just have, uh, we just, we can't have thunderstorms anymore. Every, every time tornado watch, tornado watch. It's like, it, 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 like, can't we just have a thunderstorm without worrying about a darn tornado tornado? So let me just check this real quick. Anyway. Uh, so, yep. Well, it's not supposed to actually technically get here until about 10 o'clock or so, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, so anyway, about about the uh, the shadow shadow people, there really is no one hundred percent conclusive, no doubt about it that this is what they are. There's theories, uh, but I, I have investigated where I was not. I did not feel threatened with the shadow people. I've been. Um, oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. I appreciate that. Oh, you have a blizzard word warning. Holy moly! Wow crazy yeah tornadoes tornadoes are are, are no through they're they're no joke they are no no joke uh yeah this is a core a core water so i this is my fourth bottle and this is 30 fluid ounces so yeah <clears throat> pity Someone said, first hour was full of it. This is Paranormal Friday. Go speak to your therapist because I'm not in session. Okay. Yeah, I'd love, I love to know about your ghost encounter. Uh, I'll try, the 44 guys, I'll try, my friends. I'll try, my friend. But, but the problem is I, I got a lot. I got a lot of uh, uh, messages there, so. Um. Uh, that is correct. Uh, that is correct, uh, Beanie. Well, uh, the, the, the Bible, um, I, I like the New Revised Standard Version, the Catholic edition, but that's, uh, that's the one that I like. So, uh, yeah, it's the no sugar. Yeah, it's the no sugar lemonade. Okay. Uh, by the way, for those of you who don't know, I, I am going to talk about the occult. Yes. Um, but this, you know, obviously we're entering into Holy Week. There's nothing for me, like I said, it, it would be very, very irresponsible. And I understand it's paranormal Fridays, but guys, I've been, I've been doing how many, how many years I've been doing this. I've been doing this since 2003, for those of you who don't know. And on Fridays, I talk paranormal. I've been doing this for a long, long time. Even, even on these platforms, I've been doing paranormal Fridays for quite some time now. I, I have talked about ghosts, demons, and goblins and answered questions after questions after questions, many times the same question over and over and over and over and over and over. And I don't mind doing that. But it is irresponsible for me to come on air the Friday before Holy Week to talk about ghosts and goblins and werewolves. And it is irresponsible for me to come on Friday, next Friday, and not talk about Good Friday. I'm not going to do that. I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. People don't have to tune in. You don't have to tune in the first hour. But the first hour, I'm going to talk about the crucifixion of Christ and the science behind it. And if you don't want to, you don't have to, no one's forcing anybody 
This whole idea, well, I don't like it, so you better change your mind. Well, I don't really care. I, and? Am I supposed to cry about it? I mean, am I supposed to, oh, no, you don't like it. What am I going to do? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate it. I thank you for asking the question about, uh, see, I get off a tangent. What's the difference between a um, possession and what you're talking about demonized? Uh, that I understand the term. We call that actually oppression. Okay. So what's the difference between uh, demonic possession and demonic oppression? When you are demonically oppressed, that means you have a demonic attachment. The demonic has attached itself to you. Now, under that stage, you have demonic oppression and demonic obsession. So demonic oppression is when it begins to bite you, pinch you, scratch you. Uh, it's affecting, it's breaking down the, the will of the person. And it's really causing past sleep deprivation. It's quite dangerous. It's breaking the will. If you got to think about that, breaking the will down of someone, that takes a lot to do. It's, it's a constant barrage of attacks. And then it's also attacking the intellect. That's called demonic obsession. And demonic obsession is when you it begins to interact with you. And it tells you you're crazy. It tells, I mean, it really does. It's breaking you down. Once that intellect and will is eradicated and you can no longer fight, you can no longer, you're just at a point where you're past, you're past deprivation. You're, you're just completely depraved of, of all intellect, of all will. Then possession can take place. So what we do is a prayer of deliverance uh, on when a person is has a demonic attachment. So we deliver that person up through prayer. We deliver that person from that attachment. When the person becomes possessed, that is very dangerous. It, it's all dangerous because it's an attack on the body. It's an attack on the intellect, the will. And when the person becomes possessed, that is when the individual has no control of their body. They go into a, a, a catatonic state, really. They, they don't remember it. They do not remember the stage of possession. And it's, it's, it's very dangerous. And then you have what's called transient possession and perfect or full possession. And that's a different thing. So there we go. All right. Well, thank you very much for that little globe up there. I appreciate that. Okay. Mothman. Yeah, I, I, um, I'll, do, uh, I'll do Mothman again uh, because I know that we have a lot of new people. And that's fine. We'll, we'll do that too. Okay. Um, oh, you're very, very welcome. I quite, I appreciate the question. Uh, by the way, TAPS, uh, if you don't know, uh, TAPS are really cool people. TAPS investigate paranormal activity inside the old Bastille Jail in, in Hanford, California, alongside with special guest, The Walking Dead actor Chandler Riggs. Uh, the world-renowned TAPS, the Atlantic Paranormal Society team, paranormal investigators Jason Hall, Steve Gonzalez, Dave, Dave Tango, all great, great guys. They're back with all new episodes of Ghost Hunters beginning April 6th on the Travel Channel in the United States and Discovery Plus. You know, it's really cool. Um, you know, their first episode, by the way, their first episode will be April the 6th, and it's a dead man walking. That's the, that's the name of the episode. It's a downtown uh, Hanford, California. It sits uh, an imposing abandoned jail, more than 125 years old. And it's also, it, it's pretty good. It's captured the imagination of the residents for who de for decades have reported encountering apparitions, other strange activity in this building. Uh, in the years since the former Wild West jail was shattered, many businesses have come and gone uh, inside the old building. 
but they all share one commonality, claims of chilling paranormal phenomena. So now many believe that the decades of suffering and tragic deaths that occurred inside the jail are behind the ongoing hauntings. So uh, Chandler Rigg, by the way, is uh, will be investigating with the crew uh, on that particular um, episode. That's going to be neat. Uh, that's going to be neat. So if you like, um, if you like that, that'd be cool. Well, spiritual entities. When a lot of people talk about spiritual entities, they also refer to demonic entities or spiritual entities. They also can be uh, what's called elementals. Now, elementals in the Native American culture. Uh, now, elementals are interesting because I've had a case, and this was very, very peculiar. Because I had a case that mimicked demonic activity. And I performed the minor rite of exorcism and blessed the home, and it did nothing, nothing at all. And usually, if there's a demonic presence, there's going to be some react. Oh, oh shoot, hold on. Be helpful if I actually not knock this down. Um, but there's going to be some type of reaction to that when you perform the minor rite of exorcism. The minor rite, by the way, is a blessing. Uh, when you perform the exorcism on the um, demonic entity that's infested itself within the home and you bless the home. But on this particular elemental case, I did several minor rite of exorcism and it did nothing at all. Nothing. And I was getting frustrated and I talked to a couple of people who were shamans and they said, well, you know, what's going on and what's going on? And we talked about this. And so the belief in the Native American culture is our grandmother, uh, my sister Shannon, she was Cherokee, is that elementals will occur when you destroy the habitat of a surrounding area. So if you just tear down trees, things of this nature, you know what I mean? And if you try to rehabilitate the land by planting uh, at trees, by trying to help uh, the land become healthy again, then the activity stops. So I, I told the family, I said, well, let's give it a try. Now, I, I don't know what to make of this, but I can tell you what happened. And then you can conclude whatever you want to conclude. But I told them exactly what was told to me by shamans that I highly respect. And they did exactly, they were planted. They, they had tore down several trees because they were going to build, I think, something, an extension on the house. So they replanted the trees that they broke down or they tore down. They didn't replant the trees that they cut down. They replanted trees. You know what I mean? So they cut five trees. They planted five trees. The activity stopped. It stopped. Now, you can make of that whatever you want. But, I mean, to me, I'm perplexed by it because I, I look at it from a very analytical you know, perspective. But then you have elementals you put into this and you're like what how, how does this happen so it, it's quite it was it was interesting the activity stopped that so that's you know good bad or indifferent i mean to the family they were very very happy because it, it, it didn't uh it didn't continue so yeah uh, no blue moon okay uh that was not why jesus that was not why jesus would call the lamb all right. See, that's the thing. What people say, well, there's no such thing as ghosts. I disagree. I, I, I just disagree with the idea that there's no such thing as ghosts. I've, I've talked about this before, uh, especially many, many times. 
a gazillion, and where I've even talked about in Scripture. And people say, well, no, ghosts don't exist. Well, if you look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 26, when Jesus walks on water, it, it says the disciples were terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. It does not see demon in the text. In the original text, it does not say demon. So they obviously knew they had a concept of what ghosts were. And, and, and even uh, in, in uh, Luke chapter uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 36 through 51, when after Jesus was crucified, he appeared to the disciples and they were scared. They said, it's a ghost. Jesus basically said, don't be silly. Ghosts don't, you know, I, ghosts don't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So again, that tells us that the, the disciples had the concept of what ghosts were. So and people say, well, they meant demons. No, that's not what it says in the translation. So there we go. Take that. Uh, uh, now, Blue Moon. Oh, that, well, that was a Miss Wilma type of, talk, type of talk. Yeah. You know what, Blue Moon? I think you're right. And I think you've been talking to Miss Wilma. Miss Wilma is going to be joining us hopefully tomorrow for open mic night. We're here tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So there we go. I did see the uh, I did see the uh, trailer of the um, the Pope's Exorcist. There, you know, there's a few things that I that I, I'm I'm troubled with about about you know. Anyway, I'm just, I'll just keep that myself. My my my, she's doing well. Thank you. Well, you got to remember, as I said before, heaven exists outside of time and space. So heaven doesn't exist in time and space. Heaven exists outside of time and space. So uh, you you need to remember that. Yeah, yeah. She's 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 a she's a interesting. Uh, the young pope. I did see that. Actually, the young pope is a great. Uh, uh, now it was not the young pope. Um, certainly was not uh, enjoyed uh, by many many people. But uh, it was. I thought it was a, a pretty uh, interesting. I liked it. I, I I actually have it. I own it. So yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you, Blue Moon. That is uh, the shroud of Christ. The shroud of Jesus. I absolutely am convinced, without question, no doubt about it, that the shroud was is 100% legitimate. There's no doubt about it. None. Uh, they've already done uh, documentation. They've already done scientific. They've already scanned it on a 3D uh, through a 3D module, folks. The shroud of Torin is first. The, first of all, there's no paint. They found no paint on it at all, no residue, and actually they found blood. It's a, I think it's AB, and they uh, and also on the shroud they found evidence of um, very thin, small leftovers of like flowers that were in the first century Jewish time. There's no question in my mind, none. It is impossible that the shroud of Torin was faked. It is impossible. Even if you say what well, was 15th century, they didn't have the technology to make a 3D imprint. They simply didn't. There was no 3D imprint. There was no 3D imprint machine in the 15th century. So they say that it was 15th century. It's absurd. It couldn't have been. It's impossible. So yes, I absolutely believe in the Shroud of Torn. Yeah, Padre Pio. There's a lot of people who are skeptical when it comes to Padre Pio. Um, but you know, Padre Pio, I, I, there's a, you know, whether, again, whether you uh, believe or not, uh, there's a lot of people who claim that through intercessory prayers, uh, they were healed. So, uh, by the way, I, if you want to know um, a podcast, if you like, if you like uh, the podcast, I know there's a, I think there's a movie coming out. I think in Padre Pio, I think. 
Um, doubt. Oh, I love doubt. I love doubt. Uh, Seymour Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman is phenomenal. Of course, as, and, and um, I forgot the, what was her name? She's a very famous actress. I can't remember her name. Uh, she played the nun. Phenomenal. Doubt is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it is not. Um, it, it is not paranormal related at all. At all. Um, but anyway, it, it's a pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So, by the way, uh, the 10 uh, best paranormal podcasts with scary and spooky stories. This is why people are asking me, why don't you do two hours of question? Because sometimes I'm sitting here saying, OK, anybody have any questions? You know, and people are asking about uh, other than what's interesting. People are asking other than demonology questions. They're asking a lot of theology questions. It's interesting, which is great. Uh, no, that wasn't Glenn Close. No, 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 no. It wasn't Glenn. Um, oh, who did? Who? What was her name? I'm gonna. Go, that's gonna drive me crazy. Um, uh, she's a very famous actress. Yeah. I, um. Meryl Streep. That's it. There we go. There we go. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. She, I'm telling you, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Meryl, Meryl Streep did an amazing job on the movie Doubt. One of my all-time, all-time favorite favorite movies by the way if you like podcast uh this is actually um something you might be interested in uh, this is by ryan uh, matuku it's a 10 best paranormal podcast with scary and spooky stories and they say in recent times there's been a rise in the paranormal podcast on the internet recent times what are you talking about it started in 2003 when online radio was in its infancy and i had the online radio i had one of the shows in its infancies it's actually you know back, it started many many years 20 years ago so generally, people listen to paranormal podcasts because they explore topics that are not accessible in other areas. Also, the podcast was introduced stories of personal experiences, which are often fascinating to hear. Stories also provide the thrill of being scared or surprised. So, but which of the best paranormal podcasts with scary or spooky stories? Well, this person says they have the answer for you. Um, of course, Bishop Long's The Sacred Division. I'm just kidding. Okay. Alice Isn't Dead. That's the first. This person says, Alice Isn't Dead is one of the best paranormal podcasts to listen today. That's what he says. It combines many uh, unexplained stories, include horror and ghostly mythology in a unique narrative format. While the podcast storyline may be straightforward, it's compelling and suitable for people who like creepy stories. It's called Alice Isn't Dead. The storyline follows a female truck driver searching for her wife. Um, when... Uh, whom she thought was a long dead. And in her search, she encounters strange and mysterious forces that lead her to an unexpected journey full of suspense. Okay. Uh, the next one is Dr. Death. Ooh. Uh, Dr. Death is a true crime podcast. You know, I, I actually enjoy true crime podcasts. The thing with me is I would like to have the opportunity to, to sit down with people who are in prison. I have, I've had the opportunity for uh, when I was in the seminary of individuals who were serial killers or an individual and I, i'll never i'll never forget the nonchalant attitude just i i i, I my my brain doesn't wrap i can't get it i can't what this guy did was terrible i mean what he did was what what true horror movies are made from 
And so I was there, and this is when I was in the seminary. And we went to uh, a state prison, and we met this guy who was a, a serial killer. It was in Kentucky. And we sat across the table from him, and we were talking you know, to him and just trying to understand if he needed spiritual direction, whatever. And we, we, we began talking about, well, I didn't, the, the priest did, because I was a seminary. He began talking about his crime. And the guy, this, this serial killer, he's, he said some things that would make Hannibal Lecter look like a saint. And he was very nonchalant. It's like, it's like, it's like, well, you know, I went into the kitchen, got some loaf of bread and put a peanut butter and non jelly sandwich together. And then I got some chips and put it on no emotion, none. And of course that's not what he did. Uh, but I'm giving you an example. When I tell you he made Hannibal Lecter look like a saint, I mean it. What this man did was unspeak, unspeakable. Terrible. Uh, I'll never forget it. Never will I forget that. Okay. Uh, so, But I, I personally would like to um, get into the mind and, and to the the spiritual, even the spirituality of the person who did this. And, and there's, there's a show that I did uh, on, on a particular individual like that. And we're trying to work on me trying to, to get to this person so I can meet them face to face. That's what we're trying to get. We're trying to work on that. So we'll see. Um, Dr. Death is a true crime podcast presented in serial format. It, it follows the story of Dr. Christopher Dunst. It's a neurosurgeon from Dallas who seduces patients by falsely promising to cure their ailments. Not good. The doctor's methods are not only unethical, but result in devastating outcomes for the victims. Well, that's not very nice. The next one is Haunted Places. That's the name. The Haunted Places podcast features true hauntings. It explores some of the most famous haunted destinations globally. Furthermore, the podcast tells the stories of souls trapped in haunted places. You know, one of the people have asked me about this before. Um, and they've asked me where I would like to investigate. I, I did just a presentation not that long ago uh, on um, here about uh, the, the suicide forest in, um, in Japan. Uh, the uh, Oikigahara uh, forest in Japan. That, that would be, to me, it's uh, on the base of Mount Fuji. That would be in, very intense. Very, very intense. Um, okay, but I have a question. I've heard it said that not all demons are fallen angels. Is this true? Uh, but could any of them aside uh, be aside from fallen angels? Anybody who tells you that demons are not fallen angels need to go to theology school. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Because they're misleading you and they're frightening you. They're trying to actually convince you that there's something other than that they're not. And what's going on now is people are saying, oh, no, no, they're not all fallen angels, that you can actually convert them through love and compassion that you can help them, and that, all, folks, I'm telling you, you do that, I, the demonic is going to eat your lunch. They, they, the demonic will eat your lunch. Um, they, there's a lot of, uh, there's several uh, theories out there as far as what they are. Uh, Philo, Josephus, um, and there were some other Christian writers, they, they said that they were spirits of deceased evil people. That's not correct. That's not correct at all. The scripture is very clear where the evil people go in Luke chapter 16, verse 23, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. So the idea that, that um, 
that there are spirits of, e of evil deceased people? No, they are not. There, it's also there's a theory of the pre-Adam race and the gap theory. Incorrect. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, make it very clear that it was through Adam, not some pre-Adam creature that, that occurred for, for this. Uh, offspring of angels and women. Okay, uh, the Nephilim. Again, I've talked about the Nephilim a million times already. The Nephilim were not offspring of demons and women. Folks, I'm, look, here's the deal. I'm not selling you anything. I'm not asking you to go and buy a, a DVD of mine or a book of mine. So I there's no ulterior motive I have here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hawking anything to you. People who tell you that the Nephilim were the, the offspring of demons and women, they're only doing that because they want you to buy a documentary or a book. I'm not asking you to buy anything of mine. You don't be don't, because I'm giving it to you for free. It says that the sons of God had relations with women. Any rabbi will tell you the sons of God were clearly known as the offspring of Seth. That was the third child of Adam and Eve. They were not. They were not demons. Furthermore, Genesis chapter 6, verse 4 tells us, if people would just read, Genesis chapter 6, verse 4 tells us that the Nephilim existed before and after the sons of God had relations with women. So the Nephilim could not have been offspring of angels and women. It, it, and also, keep in mind, um, it, even in Matthew, Jesus says that the angels neither marry or, or procreate. The whole idea that they that, that the Nephilim were demons, offspring of angels, they're just it's just crap. It's just crap. And it's just people doing that to sell you something. That's it. Um, uh, again, again. If you want to know about Revelation, then why don't you tell me, instead of telling me am I wrong, why don't you get your butt into Revelations that I've been teaching since January the 8th, and I'll tell you what the demons are. I'll, I'll, I'll explain what the demons are. I've been doing it since January the 8th. But I'm telling you, if you're going to say, no, you're wrong, then you obviously don't know your scripture because you need to read Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. I'm telling you what the Bible says. So if you're going to say, no, you're wrong, well, I'm, don't, I didn't write the Bible. What are you getting telling me I'm wrong for? Well, come on. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says that the, that the Nephilim existed before and after the sons of God had relations with women. Go talk to a rabbi, and they will tell you the sons of God were the children of Seth. Oh, my goodness gracious. I tell you what, it's like... Okay, they're fallen but unconfined angels. Seth was the third child of Adam and Eve. Yep, I've been to Waverly Hills many, many times. Many, many, many times. I don't know the father. Ripper, Ripper, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, a lot of people get upset because they, they bought into this Nephilim crap. Uh, but, but By the way, St. Paul even tells us do not argue over endless mythologies or, or genealogies such as the Nephilim. First Timothy chapter four, uh, verse seven. So even St. Paul says 
it was it's all a myth it was it, it's incorrect so <sighs> are of unconditional love well a fallen angels are certainly not uh fallen angels demons uh are not unconditional they have unconditional hate they're truly hate uh, now of course the those who understand their responsibility to help and protect us and to praise god certainly the bible does speak about the nephilim but again in genesis chapter 6 verse 4 i just told you it says in genesis chapter 6 verse 4 read it just read it just read it um okay <laughs> my lord my lord yeah just read it just read the bible just read it uh anyway knife point horror is a uh podcast it's one of the best supernatural podcasts to listen today podcast uh features episodes sporadically uh uploaded to tell tales of horror suspense and mystery in each episode the narrator uses his captivating voice to involve characters dealing with a supernatural being so that's pretty cool um it actually is pretty cool no no no, no. I, i'm not uh, i'm not frustrated it's just like yeah it's like one of those things you, know, you can beat your head over the over the over the wall that's a good question vbeck five are poltergeist demons or um or ghosts actually I, i've not found that they're demons at all I've had poltergeist cases. Um, I've talked about this quite a bit too. Poltergeist means noisy ghost, but I, I don't, it's not a ghost. I've had uh, poltergeist cases and I have found that what a poltergeist is, is a negative energy that a person that is omitting who's going through extreme emotional distress. And um, you might have uh, the bangings, you might have knockings. You uh, many times you will have light bulbs popping. It mimics demonic activity. That's why people get confused. But in all actuality, I I have worked them on uh, poltergeist cases where if you take the centralized, the central person is going through extreme emotional stress. If you take them and remove them from the home, the activity will stop. If you bring them back in, the activity increases. Uh, I could perform a million minor right of exorcism on, on a, a poltergeist case and it does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. So I, I'm just speaking from my experience uh, having poltergeist cases. I found that it's not a demonic. Now, can a lower demonic, lower level demonic use that poltergeist, that energy? Sure, no question about it. But uh, that negative energy is, is not um, difficult necessarily to understand. As I've, I've given an ex example like this before. You're walking down the street. Someone's walking towards you. You don't know the person, but you know you don't want another person. That's negative energy. So, um, yes, uh, that's correct. That's right, uh, Blurple Dragon. Uh, go showing up at your door. Okay. okay, what about uh, Deuteronomy 22, verse 5? Okay. I, yep. What, uh, is that a question or is that a or? Orbs. Okay, let me tell you something, guys. Orbs, many people within the paranormal community will tell you uh, that orbs are are most of the time, I would say, this is my opinion. As an investigator, I've investigated a lot of places. 
I have found most of the time, I don't have a percentage, but I would say eight out of 10, maybe even nine out of 10 orbs are dust or sometimes, or, or, or it could be a, a moth that might appear to be an orb, but there have been some cases where I have worked uh, where it was demonic and there, you, there was a clear pattern and whereas dust, you know, you have many dust particles often when you have dust. But this, the, the, it, it, it changed colors. And you say, well, that could be a light. Yeah, no, well, there was no light. There's no changes in light. It could be, well, it could be here. But there was something about that was very strange. So, but yeah, most of the time, orbs are something that um, you can explain. Okay. Um, well, aliens, I, I, I have talked about aliens. Uh, no, I do not believe aliens are demonic entities. I believe aliens are species that are created. And the, even the Roman Catholic Church teaches that your belief in alien life doesn't invalidate your faith. Uh, by the way, if uh, those of you, uh, of course, this is a, a website that Elizabeth ba Blassie wrote, uh, if you like the paranormal, and if you're interested in uh, the 30 best, uh, th this is her, that's her list, the 30 best paranormal documentaries and TV series. Uh, she says, uh, number one, Ghost Adventures, whether you like them or not, Ghost Adventures, this is her list, don't tell me, I don't like this, I don't like the well, the next one is Haunted Collector from 2011-2003. That's John Zaffis. Uh, Killer Legends, 2014. That's a pretty interesting. Actually, uh, beyond the teachings of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, many urban legends haunt the world we live in. So you might want to check that out. It's called Killer Legends. Um, now, if the ghost, if ghosts enter your body and leave it, will that is a form of possession. Now, here's the problem. Here's what people are do that, which is, they purposely allow their body to be vessels that a ghost that, that a spirit can enter. That's a very big no, no. Uh, the next one is a haunting from 2005, 2017. Uh, number five is out of the blue 2003. That's the UFO craze ghost hunters from 2004 to present most haunted 2002 to 2019. It's been a long time. Cropsy. Uh, Cropsy, this, uh, these are paranormal documentaries and uh, TV shows that you might like. Um, it is interesting because the documentary uh, film features two investigators as they uncover what really happened behind the disappearance of five children. Uh, number nine is Paranormal Witness. Number 10 is The Nightmare. And uh, number 11, Demon House. Uh, 12 is Celebrity Ghost Stories. 13, Quiet Rage. The Stanford Prism Experiment. That, that was pretty intense. Uh, 14, Hostage to the Devil. Uh, the Infield Poltergeist in 2008. The Dead Files in uh, 2011 to present. Paranormal Lockdown. My Amityville Horror. And there's a bunch of other ones, too. Uh, Monster Quest. That was only on for three years. That's a pretty interesting. There's a, There's several... Uh, interesting videos here. You haven't seen any of them. Uh, there is Destination Truth, uh, Paranormal State, which uh, of course is no longer the Sally House. That's a very serious place. The Lure, uh, the Glitch in the Matrix, the Blackout Experiments. There's so many. Beware the Slender Man. No, I don't believe in the Slender Man. Um, no, no, I, I was not in the the uh, Demon House. 
the Bible doesn't mention many things. The Bible doesn't mention um, planes. The Bible doesn't mention the internet. The Bible doesn't mention iPhones. The Bible doesn't mention iWatch. The Bible doesn't mention computers. The Bible doesn't mention space shuttles. The Bible doesn't mention satellites. I, I don't understand. The Bible doesn't mention a lot. So I... So because a, a Slender Man was a created uh, as a creative fiction on creepy creepy pasta. Uh, I've heard of Hat Man. I have heard of Hat Man. Yeah. Yeah. The Sally House is not a joke. The Sally House is pretty serious stuff. That is really really bad stuff. Um, okay, there, Mister Producer. Uh, I have not. So for, I'm going to remind everybody that next Friday, just so that you are aware. We're going to talk about the medical aspects of crucifixion because it's Good Friday. So for the first hour, that's what I'm going to do. Just to give you, and I'll answer questions again, as I did today. But TikTok, just stay with me. I'll be with you guys in just a second. Uh, for those of you who are on Spreaker, I will see you guys a bit uh, later. I'm going to remind everybody, uh, hold on, everybody, for you want to come on. I can't bring you guys on because I'm running this on four different computers. Um. So for those of you, I want to listen, listen to me very carefully, and I want you to really, truly understand this. First of all, tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are going to have night prayer. God willing, the creek don't rise, and hopefully we won't have issues with a tornado. But I want to tell everybody this. Your value does not decrease based on someone's inability or refusal to see your worth. Remember, friends, you're priceless. Never let anybody tell you or convince you otherwise. Facebook, YouTube. Twitter, KGRADB Radio. God bless, and we'll see you guys next Friday. The Sacred Division has been brought to you by Bishop Long's online paranormal course. Learn demonology, angelology, paranormal studies, and genealogy. It's 100% online, and you learn at your own pace. Please go to www.bishopjameslong.com and click on the Paranormal Course link.